Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Why Not Win Institute's uh, motto of uh, work hard, relate hard. Yeah. Uh, going to talk about winning through uh, working hard and relating hard. And um, our source material is uh, chapter 11 of Why Not Win, which is entitled An Unexpected Phone Call. Yeah, I remember that so, one. Yeah, that's sort of where I wanted to start out, where, um, you know, you're a Coca-Cola employee, uh, you know, without any sort of experience in the political realm, but all of a sudden you're called upon to uh, try to garner support to uh, battle a beverage tax that would hurt uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so could you talk about that experience <laughs> in general and in particular the different approaches that you took to it versus your uh, coworker named Eddie? They'll look at you, they'll look at me, <clears throat> and they'll say, golly, I sure would like to be doing what Dave is doing, an eminent scholar at the Harvard School of Business, one of the most respected schools of business that's out there, you know. But here's the miss. They want to do what you do, but they're not willing to do what you did. And it's the did. That's where the value is. So the mantra to our institute, this very band, this orange band that I'm wearing, it says, why not win, work hard, <clears throat> relate hard. And if you approach life with that attitude and you're willing to do what's necessary to get to the next level, it's right there for all of us. And I would argue that if the current corporation that you're with or organization or program that you're with, if they don't recognize it, someone else will. Passion and enthusiasm is difficult to miss. Somebody's going to see it and cash in on it. So this particular episode, I'm a sign painter. If you could get this context. And we paint signs for Coca-Cola, mom and pop signs. So I get this call, this unexpected phone call from the president saying, Larry, we need you to be dressed and join us tomorrow going to Montgomery and pack some clothes. We might have to stay overnight to lobby against a soft drink tax. Now, I'm sitting here thinking lobby against a soft drink tax. I know no politicians at all. I couldn't put together how a bill is introduced and passed to save my life at that time. But if the president doesn't have any better sense than to ask a sign painter to go to Montgomery to lobby against the soft drink tax, then I said in the book, I had no better sense than to say, yes, sir, I'll be ready. And so we load in the car, we go to Montgomery. <clears throat> As it turns out, the Black Caucus was holding up the bill. Everything was moving well except the Black Caucus. So they were trying to put together anybody who could put two sentences together. We got to go and talk to these politicians. So I found myself in front of people like John Rogers and, you know, Earl Hilliard and Fred Horn at that time. And they don't know me. I don't know them. But we talked, we met and we talked, we met some more and talked. And in the end, the bill was defeated. But here's the rub. We talked earlier in one of the episodes about responsibility and opportunity. So I would never have been asked to go to Montgomery if I didn't first recognize, if I, if I wasn't responsible. But on the way back, I'm talking to Eddie and I'm saying, Eddie, did you see what I saw? None of those politicians knew who we were. I said, man, 
this is an opportunity. I think we should get to know every politician, every college president in the black community, the NAACP, Urban League, United Negro College Fund League. We should get to know these people so that they, and this was his response. No, man, I'm not going to do that. They're not going to pay you for that. Wow. They ain't going to pay you for that. Dave, you are a business professor. You should find a way to incorporate this next statement, although I'm going to break English to say it. Anybody, any man or woman who's not willing to do more than he or she is paid to do usually ain't worth whatever they're being paid. Now, you can check that, and I think you would find that there's a lot of truth to that. So I said, well, Eddie, golly, man, I can't imagine the company not appreciating that. Well, here's the truth of the matter, Dave. I didn't really need uh, Eddie's buy-in. What I did need was Eddie's company car, <laughs> access to his company car. You see, it should have been Eddie's idea in the first place because he came to work in a company car, business car, shirt and tie. I came to work in clothing fit for a sign painter. I said, I'm going to do it anyway, Eddie. <clears throat> so I've got to be really creative now, bring a suit to work, change. And I go out, <clears throat> park around the corner, have the perfect excuse as to why we need to take your car to go to lunch, uh, Senator. <laughs> and I did that for maybe four months. And I put a report together and did my report back to the president. Nobody and, asked uh, you to do this report. Nobody asked you to do it at all because Eddie said, well, don't get yourself in trouble now because ain't nobody told us to be doing that. <clears throat> so the missed opportunities, when we see a glaring opportunity and we don't walk in that door, we hurt ourselves in the process. How else do you demonstrate to the company that you have extra value without going ahead and performing the task? So I'm looking at the president, wondering what his, what his thoughts were going to be. So he read my report, and then he said, Larry, how did you take these people to lunch, dinner, breakfast? I said, we just went to lunch, dinner, and breakfast so I could get to know them. He says, well, who paid for the meals? I said, I did. He said, with your own money? I said, yes, sir. The first thing he said was, I appreciate your interest in addressing this challenge for our company. Then he said, I want you to complete an expense report so that you can be reimbursed on all, based on my word, because I didn't have any receipts. I wasn't mm. planning on being reimbursed. But you see what happens with that. Now I'm spending a good 65 to 70% of my time in the community, building relationships. Eddie is, on the other hand, scratching his head, wondering how Larry has gone from sign painting to relationship manager. Then the company car came, the business cars came. That's how it works. To our listeners, put the work in. Put the work in before the pay. Everything in nature speaks to that reality. The fruit is the last thing that shows up on any tree. The work of growing and pruning, then the fruit eventually comes. But it takes the work up front to do it. Well, and the importance of, I mean, you talked a lot about working hard, but also the relating hard part, ah. you know, having the communication skills to go into those offices of those politicians and those presidents yep. and to be able to have a conversation with them that um, they're going to be interested in and engaged in. That's, uh, it's hard to overstate the importance of that. 
I think you're right, Dave. And the simple process of demonstrating concern and we care enough to be here. I mean, you never saw Coca-Cola and Pepsi and Royal Crown and all of the bottlers in the state working together. That's one of the few times that I saw us working together. Uh, any other time, you know, <laughs> we're trying to eat each other's lunch, but it was great. In fact, I rode up the elevator with uh, Jimmy Lee uh, of uh, Buffalo Rock Pepsi, mm -hmm. and he was so calming for me because God, I felt lost and uh, he made me feel so good. He says, just go in. We're just going to talk to him. Let him know that this bill is going to hurt a lot of people if we do that. The prices are going to da 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 but um, also, I had a chance to recount that to him, too, um, after that at some point. Mm. <clears throat> Relating hard. No substitution for it. When you're out doing the uh, Why Not Win programs and you talk about working hard and relating hard, what are some of the key challenges that audience members put forward uh, looking for guidance on? Well, believe it or not, it is the, I'm not going to come in early. I'm not going to stay late. Why should I mm. for what they're paying me? And that's where so much of the rub is, you know, a willingness to do the work up front. You know, my grandfather would plant, turn the ground in March and April. He tilled the ground, plant the seed set the rows, he'd chop weeds, come back the next week, chop weeds. The summer is coming on hotter and hotter. He's never coming home with any corn. There ain't going to be any corn till late July, but you've got to go to the field every day starting in March. I mean, what a, what a great message, you know. I was in the audience once, and the gentleman said this. I never forgot it. And I questioned him afterward because I wanted to be sure I had it right. He said, on any launch of a spacecraft, he said that 90%, 90% of the fuel is expended at takeoff. Mm. Wow. In other words, once I break through gravitational pull, now... I only need 10% to finish my mission. And if more people could understand the work comes up front. And once you demonstrate, even when you've not been assigned, even when there may or may not be any pay, I wasn't seeking overtime when I came in on weekends. We only had to work 40 hours a week. But my passion and uh, being able to relate to those <clears throat> civic and political leaders made the difference. And if I could get more people to understand that you're not losing, most people tend to look at it as a zero-sum game, and, and that's where they miss the rub. You know, put the work in. Demonstrate your worth and your value. Uh, there are people every day, Dave, who will go to work, do what's asked of them because they're responsible, miss all kinds of opportunity, go home, and feel that they've been justly compensated. And for the most part, yes. But they completely leave on the table those relationship opportunities. Individuals like yourself who are so well-educated, just to have a conversation with Dr. Dave Ketchin, who's operating at the top of his game, game. I can learn so much if I just develop a relationship with you, things that I didn't know. And so we leave all of that on the table 
when we just go to work and get off, but go in with passion and create an environment so that the company will view you as someone that they wouldn't want to be without. That's where the real value is. We want this guy. You've been um, running McDonald's for 30 years now. Um, yep. Have people changed in terms of working hard and relating hard across those 30 years? I mean, there's this stereotype that young folks um, are more introverted these days than they used to be, maybe not uh, putting themselves out there to build relationships, married to their phones. Do you actually see that in, in your work or is that more of a, a fiction from the popular culture? Well, I'd say it's part fictional only because uh, these young people are relating, but they are relating differently. And I think for those of my generation might ought to take just a little bit of a different approach to the relating. Just to give you uh, a situation where I'm just putting my foot in my mouth. Uh, we have a manager meeting, manager's meeting, and uh, one of my managers was constantly on a, this was several years ago, constantly on the phone, you know. So I'm trying to be patient, thinking that she's finishing up a text and she's going to join us, but she never did. And so after about 10 to 12 minutes into the meeting, I just call her out. <laughs> I said, Nikki, are you going to join us for this meeting? Here's what she said, Dave. She said, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Thorne, I'm just taking notes. Mm. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just because I take my notes on paper, right. it's different now. Uh, you think of some of these kids. When we were kids, Dave, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, if a friend moved a, out of the state or even across town, that was the oh, end yeah. of the relationship, yeah. period. There was no way. And if they moved out of state, mom wasn't going to let us make a long-distance call. You know, here again, our young listeners have no appreciation for the cost of long distance calls of once upon a time or party lines where three to four families shared one line and uh, they were gone. Well, today I have uh, a manager. Her kids play and I don't know the name of the game, but they play with kids every Monday night from Germany. Mm. <laughs> I mean, all of wow. these other countries. Now, that's relating. And if they're taking advantage of those relationships, they're learning exposure, they're learning. So I think we should be just a little more patient just because it's not the face-to-face -face, as much as we would like to see that because that's how we came up. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's relating, but it's relating differently. And I think that uh, a lot of it is not going to go back to what you and I, what I knew in mm -hmm. relating. So it's just differently. And I think uh, there's some learning on our parts too, to appreciate those differences. Yeah, you made a great point about um, how technology has bridged distances. Um, platforms like LinkedIn, you know, allow wow. you to get in touch with somebody that you might never meet otherwise and to stay in touch with somebody that you could easily lose track of. And I know I've used it in a variety of ways that have advanced my career. Um that you know, simply wouldn't have been possible 20 yeah. years ago. Well, it makes a difference. Everything changes, <clears throat> and change is often not comfortable for most people. We kind of like to do what we're comfortable with. I mean, that's sure. human nature. But 
there's very little to no growth, Dave, in comfort. You know, my granddad was comfortable in a way that I never saw him otherwise when he was sitting on the front porch, rocking in that rocker chair underneath the shade of that Chinaberry tree, listening, and I call it watching, he was watching the radio, but listening to the mm -hmm. radio, you know, that was his most comfortable. Now, I would easily argue that that's where he would rather be every day if he could, if the corn would just come up and didn't require him to go in the heat and the sun. So there's little to no growth in comfort. And I think too often we miss our end because we won't step outside of those comfort zones. Um, I didn't want to learn new words necessarily. I mean, I hated vocabulary mm. in school. Now my senior English teacher would be impressed to know that I still choose <laughs> words to learn you know, so and I love communication today, but that was not the case uh, then. You've made the point uh, in several different uh, forums that your belief is if people would take 10% of the time that they're spending on work and invested instead in relationships that, uh. that they would be so much better off. So I wanted to see if you would elaborate on that point. Yeah, we don't relate as succinctly and as completely, nor as often, Dave, as we otherwise could. If, if, if our store managers knew that their jobs should be the easiest job in the restaurant, because you have 45 people to 50 that would love to be a part of a winning program. But you know what? They're not relating. Mm -hmm. They're not taking five minutes on a Monday morning to say, hey, how did your weekend go? And then genuinely listen for the response. You know, don't wait for the crew person to come to you. You go to Marie to say, Marie, you're such a great worker. I got the new semester coming up. How can we work a schedule around? I mean, that makes her feel special when you do that. Yeah. Ask to see the photograph of a baby. Remember a grandbaby's name? Mm. Priceless. But we don't do that. And then we wonder why we have this revolving door with uh, people coming in and leaving. We're not right. relating. High turnover. But I am just so enamored in getting as many people as I can to understand who they are, unwrap their gifts, and you too can have much, much, much more of a winning experience if you would digest some of the tenets in the Why Not Win book. I love this message. And just four simple words, right? Work hard, relate hard. If you can remember those four words and live by them, you're going to be successful. Well said. Well said. Well, I'm afraid our 20 minutes are up, so we'll have to end here, but we'll look forward to our yeah. next episode. Always looking forward to it. We really believe that we're making a difference in adjusting the trajectory of how people can win more completely in life. All of us can. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you, sir. See you next time.